7 to 8 p.m. Sport on with Tabi Somosia. Good evening, everybody, and uh, thank you for joining us on SAFM Spot On. I am Tabi Samosia, Katlako Mudiba, and Timothy produced the show, and Sylvester Komane is in a technical. But, um, tonight on the show, that's not what we're talking about. Tonight on the show, we're going to be in conversation uh, with the leading South African woman golfer, Ashley Buhai, Ashley Simon. You might know her as Ashley Simon. Uh, she arrived on the scene as a 14-year-old. She was the youngest player to win the ladies' South African amateur stroke play and match play double, and the first player in over 100 years to win the ladies' SA Open title. Three times she's played for her country in the Women's World Cup and uh, she is now uh, overseas. That's where she plays a golf as a pro. And we just want to trace her journey and find out uh, what it took to get to the level that she's at uh, Ashley Buhai. And then with the world still focused on the Black Lives Matter movement, we thought we should bring the conversation back home and more closely to sport just to look at the challenges faced or the dynamics maybe some of the black sportsmen in the various sporting codes have to deal with. These are the sports cause that have been predominantly white i think this is a conversation not to point fingers but just to get a better understanding of the dynamics of south african sport and its culture you know i mean we know the story of usia golisi he came from the townships he went to gray high in pe didn't even speak a word of english like he says he wasn't even used to wearing socks and had to adapt to a whole new environment and a whole new culture but how are those dynamics how is that culture at professional level so we're going to speak to a uh, coach jeffrey toyana is a former uh, professional cricket also and will also speak to protest spinner U Aaron Pangi. So just to get his thoughts, he's never one to mince his words or Aaron Pangi. So he always speaks whether he's in the system, whether he's playing or not, he always speaks his mind and I think he'll just give us a better understanding maybe of some of the dynamics uh, that they um, that they have to deal with. And if you want to weigh in on any of our conversations tonight, you can send us voice notes to this WhatsApp number 061-4104-107 if you are also maybe a professional cricketer, professional rugby player you can also weigh in but we're going to focus on cricket tonight. Uh, it's 061-4104-107 the SMS number is 41391 and if you prefer to call then it's 0891-104-207 For the story behind the action, catch Tabiso Musia weekdays at 7pm and our first guest is already on the line, Coach Jeffrey Toyana, who joins us now, having done a bit of cooking this evening. Good evening, uh, Coach. Thanks for speaking to us tonight. Yeah, good evening, Kabiso, and good evening to your listeners as well. You have disappointed me, Jeffrey Toyana. I thought you will say you will never walk alone. This was your <laughs> chance, Jeffrey Toyana. 30 years you had, and you are on radio now. <laughs> yes, it's been a long wait. Um, I've been listening from the start of the show, and happy... Uh, with, uh, with Pep Guardiola that the boys are going to get like that guard of honour. So excited and I'm looking forward to the game. As a cricket coach, I mean, you follow your football, you love your Sundowns, you love your your, your, your your Liverpool. Are there any pointers that you pick up from a Liverpool team? Maybe what has Jürgen Klopp gotten right or maybe one or two things that you can also instill or use in your coaching? Yeah, I think the, the main thing with Liverpool for me, you know, um, has been teamwork, you know. I mean, how he's got the team together. And now it's taking time as well uh, uh, to, uh, to build this team. Uh, you know, like, like as you can see as well, I mean, in a team like Liverpool, and like there's nothing like that comes out to like that second, you know. So like like everything is in the circle, which shows you know a good culture, you know, in terms of the team. So time is key. Patience. 
Patience, patience, but it's very key, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk a bit about cricket now. Let's just bring it back home. There's always a debate, firstly, about transformation. It's a heated one. Do you think in South Africa we've moved fast enough in that regard? Yeah, for, like, for me, it's yes and no, you know. Um, uh, but I don't think we've moved uh, like fast enough, uh, especially, you know, um, in the townships, where like when we played, we faced... And like those same challenges that the, uh, the people today, you know, are still facing, which is for me quite disappointing. Biggest issue that we've always talking about or spoken about has been the facilities in the township. And um, for, for me, like yeah, that's a so dumb in a way, you know, because you can't. Um, I played it, you know, like at Soweto at Elka Stadium, and I go to Elka today. I mean, like there's not been any improvement, and we're talking about the ground that housed, you know, like international games, you know, yes. uh, 20 years ago. You know, I, I still remember when Dr. Ali Baka was still CEO. I mean, England will come playing to it, so like the West Indies will come, Pakistan, India. But like those days, you know, like, like are gone, which is quite disappointing. And there's not been much improvement, you know, in terms of our kids like that are growing up in the countries. And you go to Denkert in PE, I mean, it's the same issue. I mean, like, that stadium was a very, very good stadium and a very, like, nice field. And clearly, like, there's not been, you know, any improvement. And I doubt if they still play any cricket in, in, in those facilities, especially at Denkaka. Yes, and maybe the people in PE can tell us how was the condition of Denkaka. I remember the West Indies were there. So Brian Lara being bowled at first ball by Mpumzi Machele there at Denkaka. I wonder if those guys are still uh, playing there. But why is that the case, uh, Coach Jeff, uh, that the Soweto cricket overall has not improved since you last played? And like for me, you know, uh, like that's something that disappoints me. Um, it's hard to like pinpoint and say like this is, you know, like like is the problem or like whatever the case is. Yes, um, it's tough for CSA as well. Like they're doing a lot, you know, for for black cricket and transformation as well. And the people uh, who are groundsmen, you know, in those grounds, like they try their best, you know, and like just to look after like those facilities. And like there's issues of security as well, where people come, you know, like and still covers and things like that. So it's a tough one, and uh, and it's tough to say um, how can they like make it better as, as, as so that maybe amateur cricket and yeah. uh, can be played, you know, in those type of facilities. What about the hubs that we've seen around the country? Uh, are those hubs working? Yeah, they are working in a way. I mean, the players are coming through, but uh, for, for me, I. I you know, I think the big focus, I've been saying it for years and years as well, is uh, try have uh, some uh, cricketing schools, you know, in the townships as well, so that like that interest, you know, of the game can be there. You know, I still remember when I played, I mean, we played, you know, in the streets, you know, and like these days it's rare to see something like that. So like our kids are not, you know, like exposed much, you know, into the game, which is something uh, like that is disappointing. And we try to go back you know, and to try help, you know, but uh, but like there's not like those numbers that we we like expect to come, you know, especially like these days now. You're a former player, tend to coach coming from Soweto. Would you say maybe when you moved up the ranks and you, you started playing in the system, was the system welcoming for you? Uh, at the time, I mean, it was quite tough for us because we were the pioneers, you know, yeah. you know, of players that were coming through. Yes, we had issues because the biggest thing for me, the coaches, you know, in those days, like they didn't understand our black cricketers, where like they didn't understand that we had to take three taxis, 
for example, uh, just, uh, like, uh, like, uh, like just to get to the wonders, which, which is like a, something that we did. And then if you maybe late by five or ten minutes, like the coach will send you back, which for me uh, was just an understanding because you have to wait for taxes to be full and then you have to take three taxes and maybe like you get there five, ten minutes late and the coaches will be telling you those days that, you know, like your attitude stinks, I mean, you and like, there's no way that you're going to make it. I mean, like my peers um, um, who were better players than me I decided to stop, you know, um, in those days, which was something quite tough to take. But we just had to persevere, you know, like and keep going and take those insults, which were quite tough. I mean, and like, that's why when I took up coaching, uh, like, the biggest thing that I came up with for me was just to understand each and every player like, that I work with, you know, like understand where they come from, and just talking about coming up, you can also have come up with a lot of guys like the late Waltama Sumola, Coach Jeff. Did the best crop at the time come through the system, let's say from Soweto, or was it a case of just taking the best one or two players and leaving the rest behind? Yeah, but I remember as well when the late Kaya Majola as well came from PE to come to Soweto. Uh, um, he was still working at UCBSA. I mean, he's the one who changed our mentality. You know, I still remember those days, like, there were about six or seven of us who played either for Transvaal A or for Transvaal B. And Kaya, you know, like, like he was a tough man. He always fought for us, you know, through, like, those tough days. And uh, and I think the best crops for me came those days. And, uh, like, most of those guys those days, like, like they didn't go to private schools, yeah. which you see, like, these days. I mean, you know, like, like all my schooling was done, you know, in Soweto where like, there was no cricket played in the schools like those days. And then we had to go play club cricket at a young age. You know, like, that's why maybe we became tougher, you know, and hardened, you know, like, like in a way, you know, but because we play like as if, as if, as if a 16-year-old or a 16-year-old, I mean, we're playing with men, you know. There's abuses, you know, like, like which is part of the game, but, 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 but it does toughen you like in a way. Yeah, and a lot of guys when they come up, they talk about how they they get doubted, how they are doubts uh, when they rise up the ranks, that the suspicions because of the color of their skin. Do you feel you had to prove yourself twice? I mean, did other guys feel that, even if it's not you personally? Yeah, yeah. Like it, even for me, I mean, it was tough. Like just to sit in the change room where you know, I mean, you uh, you're not sure, you know, like as a kid at the time, but because we didn't have mentors, the uh, guys who told us that no, guys, you here. And you belong here. And every time you open the paper, you know, like whether it's the star or, or like the citizen, you know, in those days, I mean, you see our quarter players, are they good enough? I mean, you know, you know, are they here to play? You know, are they playing because of the color of the skin? And uh, and it was always a tough situation. And also just after sitting in the change room where you felt that you were not welcomed, you know, like, like in a way. But, uh, but as time went on, I mean, we, we played and we showed that we could play. And uh, like for me, for one, I mean, like I was introduced to the game by my dad, who played uh, yeah. uh, like uh, for the Black Eleven. I mean, in the 1960s and and the 70s as well. So the cricket has been there, you know, like in black people as well. I know, like in the Eastern Cape, it has been played for many, many years. But people didn't understand or know that the game was played by black people before. Like that's why maybe like those towns, you know, crept in. And uh, like they, it was hard for you, like, you know, as a young player coming through, 
it was always tough, but you just, you, you just had to fight through and take those insults and, and, uh, and just keep going. Was it even tougher for a batsman like you? Because the stereotype is that the black guys bowl and they bowl fast. Just like in rugby, I mean, you find a guy that plays 10, fly off at his school, he moves up to franchise. They say, hey, Sien, can wing to? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was tough. And also, it goes back to the townships and the facilities like that we grew up in. And I'm not trying to make that as an excuse. But if you go train where we train, where there's holes on the pitch, this carpet is torn, and it's tough to get in those conditions. And, um, and uh, you know, we, we just had to find a way like those days, you know. And coming up as a better as well, uh, but because I couldn't go to save my life, so I had to try and make it happen with extra hours, you know, like in the tennis courts, with tennis balls, which, uh, 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 which, uh, just trying to, like, like improve, like, my skills. Mm. And, uh, and I think, you know, like, the overall as a player, you know, I think I did okay. Yeah, you certainly did okay, uh, Jeffrey. Duane. And I'm glad that there's somebody else that couldn't bowl to save his life because I also couldn't bowl. I, I was an <laughs> opening batsman. I was a wicket keeper. I played first team, everything. But I just could I just could not bowl. I couldn't believe it. And, uh, <laughs> it's too much hard work bowling. Eh? <laughs> it's too much. It's too much hard work. We are more technical. Technical. We are the batsmen. We're the openers. But if you've just joined us, we're catching up with Coach Jeffrey Toyana, uh, just finding out about the dynamics and the challenges maybe faced by black cricketers when they get into the system, especially in this uh, previously white-dominated sport. And we want to find out if things have changed or are changing over the years. We'll also speak to Aaron Pangi. So uh, you can also send us your voice notes on 0614104107 or you can call us on 0891104207. We'll also hear from the former SAN 19 coach, Lawrence Mahatlane, who has now uh, found a job in Uganda. He's going to be coach of Uganda's national team here. And I asked him if there were opportunities for him here in South Africa. Why Uganda? So uh, he's gonna. Uh, we're gonna play that interview also. Leading sport stories of the day on SAFM. Okay, let's take a few voice notes for Coach Jeffrey Toyana. Thank you very much, uh, Tabisa, for taking my voice note. Good evening and good evening to Mr. Jeffrey Toyana. It's Libra here in East London. The situation has not improved in Denmark, uh, even though I stay here in East London, but I'm originally from Port Elizabeth. It has not improved, I can tell you that. Let me go to my point and then my question. I'll make it fast. Uh, you know, Mr. Jeffrey Dan, there's an impression that we are producing. Yes, we're producing black players. But if you look at those team sheets, Lungisanigiti, Andile Pekikwayo, Kakhisorabada, even Tamba, they all come from these Model C schools. Uh, when are we going to start, you know, producing players who come from those township schools? You've got... Um, uh, I think I think um, Sinatema Kashila also comes from a, a Models school, a four Models school in East London. So I'm just making a point here uh, to say cricket South Africa, you still have to produce uh, black players here in the townships. My question to you, Mr. Jeffrey Diana, why are we not producing black African batsmen? Because if you look at those team sheets, it's only black African bowlers. Thank you very much. It's Libra here in East London. Thank you. Evening, dear member Tulani from Milan. Can you please ask uh, Coach Jeff? Jeffrey Toyana, on the situation or background of finance, isn't that one of the biggest challenges that makes us uh, black people not to be good betters because we don't have a bet, but we can get a ball from the team maybe or buy a ball so that we can throw every day and get used to it. But a bet, finance is the problem, ma'am. Thanks.
Thanks to Lani for that, and thanks Libra for that passionate voice note. The the similar coach. Uh, why are we failing mm. to produce black batsmen? Yeah, for me, uh, it goes back, you know, to, to the township. So, so like, I'm not trying to make that an excuse. You know, as an excuse. I mean, if you can go, like, and see places that people train in, I mean, um, it's always going to be tough. Uh, yes, we're trying. I mean, also that you know, like now as coaches, I mean, like, like we're trying to like have like those black camps, trying to like like improve like those black batters, you know, like like which is something that we basically you know like have to do like as we move on. Yeah. Um. Yes, like those guys coming through, uh, like guys like Kreshile, you know, like he's playing some good cricket. He's coming through. He's quite promising as well. And Kaya Zonda as well. I mean, mm. you know, he's been around as a better as well. He's coming through. And I know, like, in the under-19 setup as well, like, there's guys that are coming through. This is something that uh, the coaches basically, I mean, um, have to look in, you know. And um, yeah, I just have to go back to the question of Libra as well, you know, like, mm. about... Um, about uh, uh, like my train of thought has gone a bit here, Tabitha. Oh yes, um, he, he just wanted to know. He, it was a similar question, basically, about these black batsmen not coming uh, through the system, especially also in the townships. Why are we not producing cricketers from the townships? Uh, because he says most of them have gone to these schools. Yes. Oh yes, 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 yes. And also, like all our players, you know, like, even at franchise level and the national team, um, have gone to like private schools. Um, the guys like Panduso as well come uh, to come from there. And I think CSA as well um, has come with the hubs uh, program, which I think is working. But uh, it will take time, you know, to get like those township township boys, you know, who didn't go to private schools, uh, for them to come through. And it's a challenge, I think, for South Africa to try, you know, like and get those guys coming through. And for me, you know, it's quite disappointing as a township guy that like there's no one who who's currently playing at semi-pro level or at franchise level. I'm talking about guys who come from the townships. And it's a challenge and, 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 uh, and like that we have as well, you know, like as coaches. Um, for me, the challenge I want to put again to CSA is that um, try improve the facilities, you know, like in the townships, in every township here in South Africa. And uh, we've got coaches who are coaching there, who are dedicating their time. And it's up to CSA as well. They just to give them the support, you know, and give them like those good qualities. Um, and got good facilities. The last one is that a lot of guys uh, talk highly about your coaching, especially the black cricketers. I know when you were at the Lions and won trophies, you had the likes of Grant Mukwena who was in the wilderness. You brought him back. You had Umpila Ramela. I think he was opening for you. You even worked with Mangaliso Musetle. who was not given enough opportunities as a wicked keeper. Uh, why was that important to you to make sure that these guys are playing? In, or what did you do right at the Lions that these guys felt that they had the confidence to play under you? Yeah, I think for me, I mean, like when I played, um, I didn't have like that backing. Um, it was important when I took up coaching, uh, like I just to give guys belief that uh, but you are quite important and you can play. And it's the only thing that I've done. And uh, just to give them uh, like that belief system that, you know what, I can play the game and, and like, give them the backing as well. I mean, like, there's many challenges like that we face, you know, like against people. But for me, I think um, if you understand the person first, I mean, like, that person will play for you. And, uh, like, that's the biggest thing that, like, my coaching philosophy uh, goes around, you know, that I give the person belief and I give them as well, you know, like, that quality of opportunity. Because you still see now, like, at franchise level, where, like, there's no quality of opportunities. Where you see the players playing, you know, a bowler will bowl two overs. 
or like a batsman will bat like number eight and number nine, mm-hmm. which, which for me is something that's quite disappointing. If you're giving a quality of opportunity, affect the player, and show him that you believe in him. And like that's what I'm big you know, on, you know, like, like as a coach. And players of all colors, basically, they mm-hmm. do like identify, you know, also like with my coaching and, uh, and the backing like, that I give them. Thanks, Coach Jeff, for speaking to us. Thanks for your insight here. We're going to continue the conversation with Aaron Pangiso, but we appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Tabito. Thank you, Coach Jeff Doyana. They're speaking to us just about the dynamics and the challenges faced uh, by black cricketers in this uh, system there. And Libra, I'm glad to... What did you say about Denkai Libra? Did you say that they're not doing well, even though you're in East London, uh, you, you're aware that they're not doing well? And, and on that note, our condolences to uh, one of the cricketers in PE there, to his family, Unati Sandu Peanuts. I believe he was laid to rest earlier this week. He was a provincial cricketer and also played uh, for United uh, Cricket Club there, Peanuts. Let's t- talk now to Aaron Pangi. So just to get another perspective, especially from somebody that is still in the system here. Uh, pa- Aaron, good evening and thanks for speaking to us tonight on SAFM. Uh, good evening and how are you? And good evening to the listeners as well. No, we're fine. Thanks, Aaron. Good to hear from you. And uh, we- we're talking about the challenges faced by black sportsmen in various sporting codes. We've focused on cricket now. You were part of the Black Cricketers in Unity movement, firstly. What was that all about a couple of years ago? Uh, no, I think uh, the main thing about that that movement was was the the fact that uh, a lot of guys just felt that when given an opportunity to represent the uh, uh, the Proteas or South Africa, uh, a lot of Black Africans we we almost started as being twelve men and we served uh, under uh, twelve men duties for a long time before given. An opportunity, you know. Uh, we we had guys like Abu Abu Tami uh, that that were twelve men, and then he was probably one of the the best love men, if not in the world. You know, uh, he served as twelve men for a long, long time. Uh, we had guys like myself at the time where uh, I wasn't. I don't think I was given uh, enough opportunities. I was I was always wearing wearing a bib. I mean, there was a time where. I think uh, I went to the World Cup and didn't crack a game and stuff mm. like that. And and with 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 other people or probably let me just put it like this: other races or it it, it wasn't the case. You know, uh, you you find a youngster that comes straight from uh, from franchise system into the Proteas. A lot of times, let me say ninety percent of the time, they are given opportunities from the get go. You know. Uh, we felt that uh, as black Africans, we we were not given that uh, kind of an opportunity. Or if we were, it was almost one of those games where it was dead rubbers in a series or something like that. And, you know, those uh, not mean much games. So that was, that, was, that was what the movement was about. And at the time, do you think the authorities took you seriously? Were, you, were your concerns attended to? Yeah, look, I think I think uh, the letter was heard. You know, uh, it was it was even uh, on on the news. Uh, yeah. But I don't think that uh, it was it was probably addressed the best way that uh, it it could have been. You know, uh, I just think it was something that was that was brushed, that was just brushed on, and then after that. Two days later, it was forgotten because uh, 
I don't know how to explain it, but it like it, it was a serious matter. But then uh, people that were involved or management or whoever that was involved, it was almost it, too good for they were too good for the guys to actually just brush the guys off and just give good explanations and all of that. You know, uh, that's that's how I, I actually felt about the whole situation. I think it could have been addressed a little bit better and it could have been taken a little bit more serious. And on that note, I mean, most of you guys were playing at the time. You still playing. Were you not worried about being victimized because some of, the, of those that are active don't like to talk out until after their playing days? Yeah, look, uh, that's always the case. End of the day, uh, we all have families, uh, and and you know, as 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 black people, uh, we we feed a lot of families, not only our immediate families and all of that, you know. So things like that, you tend to think about, you tend to think you're gonna be victimized and all of that. But uh, I'm 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 the kind of person that that believes in the truth. I'm the kind of person that, I mean, I remember when I was approached about the letter. I think we were in in Sri Lanka at the time and then a couple of guys uh they approached me and said look we we want to start this kind of thing or we want to write this kind of letter are you in with the guys or do you want rather wanna wanna stay out of it and because he's still playing for the project and all of that and I said look if the black African players feel the same way and we all go through the same thing I'm definitely in you know uh, no matter what 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 will happen to me or, or anything like that. End of the day, it wasn't about me. It was about uh, the futures of, of, of the guys coming up, you know, your Lungingidis that came after us, your your, your junior Dallas, your, 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 the guys that came up. So that was, that was important for, for, for everyone to actually speak out so that our, 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 the next generation of black African players wouldn't probably face the same thing. Have things improved since then or over the years? Look, I gotta say, uh, uh, things have improved. Uh, you know, uh, we see a lot, a lot more African players uh, coming through. You know, uh, and and a whole lot of them have been given chances. It's nice to see guys like Abo, Abo. Uh, Desuguayo mm. going to the World Cup and actually representing, you know, it's nice to see guys like Temba being trusted upon the fact of vice captaincy, you know, uh, those kind of things. I still think that obviously there can there can be a little bit more. There can still be improvement, you know. There's there's a lot of guys that still uh, I think uh, deserve to be there as African players or that deserve more game time. You know, uh, I would say the likes of your, your Magalas, you know, he's, he's, he's been, he's been uh, a proper, a proper franchise bowler for, for, for years mm-hmm. now. So he's, he's one of the guys that could be given more chances and all of that. So, you know, in every system, there's, there's, there's a loophole and there's, there's always room for improvement. But I think from, from when I, I, I stopped playing or from when I was at the, at the Proteus, things have improved a bit. You also played for the SA Under-19 team a couple of years ago before you went to the senior team, a team that had the likes of, think, I think, AB and Faf Duplessis. I mean, at that stage, did you feel you belonged or were you still seen as a player of colour at that age or were you just happy to play cricket? No, look, at that age, to be honest, and, and this will be my honest uh, answer, at that age, when we played, I remember it was called uh, 
Coca-Cola Kaya Majola Week. At that age, I didn't even know that uh, such a thing exists called SA Under-19. You know what I mean? Uh, for me, it was enjoying the game, playing the game to the best of my ability. And after getting picked, you know, uh, I knew that I got picked because I did well at the tournament, mm. you know, uh, because I think uh, I was one of the best bowlers at the, at the tournament, you know, uh, and and as a, as a Northern team, we dominated at that tournament. So, but then going forward, I think that's where, like, my eyes started opening up because you and now you're not a schoolboy cricketer anymore. Now you you're entering into a professional life that's got politics, that's got uh, people have agendas and all of that. So that's when my eyes started opening up to see, oh, okay, this is how things are done. This is the difference between probably myself and that other guy and the next guy and the next guy. You know, so that was yeah, that was the challenge after that. I had an interview you did on our sister station with Umlulek in Tsabo there where you were just talking about your time at the Titans, that the environment was predominantly Afrikaans. How was that for you then? Uh, that was a bit tough. Uh, funny enough, uh, when I started playing for, for the Titans, uh, Jeffrey Toyana was still a player. We mm-hmm. played together, you know. <laughs> but yeah, it was a bit tough because... Uh, to get into an environment like that and and uh, as an African player, uh, I heard Jeff mentioning that you had no mentors. You know, you had no people, someone telling you that you're good enough. I mean, Jeff himself was still a young guy by then. You know, yeah. I think even himself felt a little bit uh, under pressure. You know, he he didn't he didn't know whether he was be- he was belonging or not. So he was not that senior guy in the team that will say, uh, "Pangi, look, uh, you you belong here. You deserve to be here. Mm-hmm. You've worked hard, and then I will show you the ropes." Yes, Jeff showed me the ropes. He took me under his wing. I remember it was Jeff and and Ethan Balati. You know, but then. I think in that in the team at that time they didn't have that much of a say because they were not senior players, so they were also still and un- still trying to prove themselves to to the team and and uh, to probably everyone else that you know what we deserve to play for the Titans, we deserve to be here. So it was it was it was a bit of a hostile hostile uh, environment. Uh, like I said, not not having a mentor, not having someone to tell you that you belong and all of that. Obviously, coaches will tell you that, look, uh, you know, coaches like obviously uh, telling you the good things, but then how they act towards what they're saying, it's completely different, you know. So that's, that's, that's one of the challenges that I face today. And the use of Afrikaans, was it a big challenge? Because I know the guys in rugby also always highlight that, that when they leave school and they get into franchise level, uh, it's, it, the instructions are given in Afrikaans and it's tough for some of them. Uh, I would lie when I say instructions were given in Afrikaans. Instructions were never given in Afrikaans. Uh, but the change room was Afrikaans, uh, mm-hmm. meaning that uh, guys were comfortable talking their home language which is Afrikaans, you know what I mean? But whenever when there was a, a team addressing or mm. team activity or something, it was it was done in English, you know, to obviously accommodate everyone. Mm. There was Indian guys, they, you know, there was colored guys. So uh, uh, I 
I don't think it was the case where the coach will would deliberately speak in Afrikaans. Mm. Maybe when he's speaking to maybe one or two guys they uh, on the side, maybe they might communicate in Afrikaans. But in, in a team environment, in a team addressing, there was never Afrikaans. Change room was definitely uh, dominant Afrikaans. Uh, guys would talk their home languages. I mean, a lot of guys back then, some some of the white guys back then, found found it hard to speak English. You know, <laughs> so yeah, so yeah. they just were comfortable speaking their home language. Yeah. Okay, let's just take a quick break. We'll uh, wrap up with Aaron after this. You can send those voice notes to 061-4104-107. Tabiso Musiya on SAFM. Wrapping up our conversation with Aaron Pange. So we spoke to Jeffrey Toyana also. We'll hear from Coach Lawrence Mahatlane. Aaron, you said that um, things changed a bit for you at the Lions under Coach Dave Nosworthy and later on under Coach Jeffrey Toyana. Maybe what was different that uh, they gave you uh, that, that you could see that maybe the environment was better for you? Yeah, look, uh, I think with, with Mr. Dave Nasworthy, uh, he, he just had that belief in me. You know, uh, like I said, he was he was straightforward with me. He told me, look, uh, he's looking for players of, of, of color at the, at the Lions. I think this is when he came back from New Zealand. He was looking for players of color. But then he, he didn't say it in a way that I felt uh, he's undermining me. He told me I'm looking for quality players of color. You know that was that was for me that that made a difference. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, for him to mention the word quality players of color, not just any players of color, because we look at the players of color, uh, the black players that he brought in. You know, he brought in myself. He brought in uh, Tami Toilekile. You know, uh, there was a Temba Bavuma coming through. Uh, there was then later on. There was a Lonovo that came to, so you could see that the players that he gathered around, those were probably at one point we had the best black players uh, in the in the country playing uh, for one team, which was the Lions, and all of those guys, all of those black players, they at some point represented South Africa. So that was the difference for me. Someone being honest with me and saying, "Look, you are a player of." Of uh, you are a black player because obviously uh, the rules they require black people to to be on the field. But then you're not just a player of color; you are a quality player of color. You know, so that for me was a difference to someone just uh, trying to obviously beat around the bush and 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 just playing you because of of numbers. You know. Yes, the numbers have to be fulfilled. Those are the rules of the government put uh, put down those rules. The numbers have to be fulfilled. But then the fact that you are black and the fact that you are quality, yeah. to me, it made a massive difference. That belief from that from from Mr. Nasworthy. You mentioned the 2015 World Cup earlier on. We all remember that you were the only member of the squad not to play. And if I remember correctly, the World Cup before, Lonobo Totobe, despite being the leading wicket, taker in the world a year before he only played one game at that world cup how did that one make you feel yeah it was it was a tough one uh it was it was one of those i mean you get to the world cup finals you get to the to the biggest stage that's the biggest stage i think any sportsman would would achieve or would want to be seen under you know and not not get an opportunity that was that was that was disappointing that takes a big knock that that 
sort of uh, that uh, rose up all of those feelings, you know, when we talk about always having to prove yourself uh, to, 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 to the public, proving yourself to your, to your coach that, uh, you're not just any player or you're not just a player of color. You deserve to be there. So when that happened to me, it kind of, uh, it kind of, uh, woke up those demons to say that, look, you probably, you probably here because of, uh, you you are a player of color or because you you black you know because I was the only guy that didn't play I was the only black guy there so as much as maybe the coach didn't see it like that or maybe other people didn't see it like that but then deep down inside myself personally when I sit in the hotel room when everyone is celebrating or when everyone is having a good time I'm questioning those things that am I really here because I can play or am I really here uh, because of the dynamics of 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 the team, you know, uh, I know deep down, I knew deep down that I could play because franchise level, I was dominating, I was doing, I was doing, I was doing well, I was doing the works. We went, I think we went, uh, we played franchise, not franchise, we played Champions League. It was here in South Africa. The Lions, we got, we got to the finals. I was, I was at the second best bowler to to start. You know, so I knew my worth, but then when something like that happens at the World Cup, then it, it kind of like takes your, it knocks your confidence and it takes you back to 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 those kind of feelings again. Finally, Aaron Pangiso, as we wrap up now, what maybe would you like to see change in the structures or what would you like uh, those in senior positions to consider when it comes to black cricketers? Look, there's a lot of things that one can hope for and, and, and uh, want to change, you know, but to be honest, Nina, I would like I would like fairness. I would like people to be picked according to according to what they're doing, according to their stats. You know, uh, I would like to see, like I, I mentioned earlier on, I would like to see your Magalas mm-hmm. being picked because of they doing well for for the Warriors. You know what I mean? I like to see your Timber being given proper opportunities because he's, he's, he's doing well. You know, there's nothing. There's nothing uh, that that kills someone than to see, to 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 see someone else get picked because of he's got favor uh, because of despite the color or whatever uh, but because of that favor you know what I mean uh, I mean there's there's a lot of guys that I know that uh, the system didn't it didn't work or didn't go their way you know there's your your Balatis that. Yeah that played for years and that performed for years and years. He was one of the best bowlers. I think Simon Hammer just broke his record now, this year or last year. Or last year, yeah. He just broke his, his all-time franchise leading wicket-taker, Ethan Balati. You know, but he never got he never got an opportunity to represent South Africa. So you ask yourself, how come that didn't happen? You get you get your, your guys like Melusi Sibotos that have been season campaigners, you know, from 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 the Knights to, to even the Lions to the to the Titans even, where the guy is putting in the work, the guy is doing so well. But just because probably he doesn't have favor, then he doesn't get he doesn't get that opportunity. So I would just like to see a bit of more fairness. If the selection is about stats, then let's pick on stats. If the selection is about favor, then it must be said it's favor 
be looking after certain people, and that's it, you know. But I just want to see fairness. That's all I want to see. Loud and clear, Aaron, you're a brave man, you're a good man for talking out while you're still uh, 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 playing and we appreciate the insight and just the inner workings that you've given us and we hope that this will help those that are following in the same journey as you. And thanks and uh, for speaking to us, Aaron Pangiso. Thank you very much. Thank you. Proteus Spin. I don't want to say former because the man is still playing, so you never know. Might just get a call up out of the blue there and then you've called him a former Proteus Spinner. I also want us to hear from Coach Lawrence Mahatlana quickly about taking up a job in Uganda. SAFM Radio and at Tabiso Musia on Twitter. Before we speak to Ashley Buhai, who's already on the line, let's just hear quickly from Coach Lawrence Mahatlana, who's now had to take up a job in Uganda. Did he not have any opportunities here in South Africa? It's about conversations, you know. I've been around South African cricket for, for 24 years now, so from, from my point of view, I just thought, you know, maybe take a bit of a break from it. Didn't have too many options thrown my way. I had a few conversations, but uh, I just thought this would be an exciting time. Mm. And I know that you've got quality coaches in the country, so I'm excited to watch the coaches' growth and the players' growth. And how does he look back at his stint as SA Under-19 coach? The team that went to the World Cup in 2016, mm. uh, which ended 11th in the world, has produced more coaches than the team that won the World Cup. So in 2014, so that for me is an exciting thing that guys like Calvarini, Ian Melder, Lito Sapamla, and there are many more to come through. You know, Sinek Beshile, Wandi Demakwetu, Tony Dezozi. I'm excited in watching South African cricket over the next 10 years. Okay, Coach, good luck in Uganda.